0: You can sit with us, podcast with Lexi B. After leaving his corporate career as a technical project manager, Imei continued to develop his passion for drones, social impact, and travel storytelling. This passion has taken him around the world, creating unforgettable content for brands, nonprofits, music festivals, and tourism boards spanning across Africa, the Americas, and Asia. These opportunities have allowed him to develop his creative skills and experiences on a very broad level, testing each facet of his creativity and landscape, travel, lifestyle, portrait product, and fashion, just to name a few. You can sit with us, podcast with Lexi B. Welcome, eBay. How are you? Thank
1: you so much for having me, Lexi. It's, it's nice to see you again. Nice to sit down and, and share my story. I'm doing well in Nigeria right now.
0: You know, it's been a long time, friend. It's been a long time because I I have been blessed yeah. to be in an era where I saw you every single day next <laughs> to the Overnight Oats, which I still <laughs> think are trash. On record, I do yeah. not like Overnight Oats And I don't know if you remember, it was you who was like, you should try them Um, in Building 29 (laughs) at Facebook. Because I remember one day we were like getting breakfast and you just happened to be there. I felt like Mm -hmm. I always saw you at breakfast because maybe we just got into work at the same time. And I remember I looked at you and I was like, you are really eating that. And you were like, well, have you tried it? And I was like, no, but it looks disgusting. And then I tried it, and then I was mad at you for like two
1: weeks oh my because bad. it
0: tasted what I thought it was gonna taste.
1: Listen, if you if you know me well, you know that I cannot start my day without breakfast. So me being in the cafeteria eating breakfast, like that's the first thing I do. Like some people's coffee. For me, it's like I gotta I gotta have something. Near me. I don't care if it's small little granola bar, but yeah, we were definitely. Uh, blessed with the assortment and and just just different yes. options. I will that part that part I miss. That part I miss about uh, working at Big Blue. I do. So yes,
0: yeah, getting <laughs> getting out of your car and walking into a building and it was like you're hungry. Yeah. Well, let me just show you all of your options. What is in your coffee cup? What are you drinking with us today?
1: Yeah, Today I'm in Nigeria. You know what I mean. I'm home. I'm in Lagos. So I think what's in my coffee cup today is is definitely going to be the theme is palm wine. Palm wine is like. The local kind of like that, that I'll just call it fun juice. Um, so yeah, you know, Death December in Lagos, Nigeria. its no place like it in the world. I know Ghana has their thing going on, but there's there's no place that you want to spend in December if you want to have a good time than in Nigeria, specifically Lagos. So I'm drinking palm wine today.
0: I love it. I love um, <laughs> Nigerians. As you know, I am married to one. So of course, I love it. Yes. What I love about Nigerians, many things. One of the things, I can see it in your drapes, is the color, yeah? I love how African cultures, yeah. take color to a different level. And I know that we don't have video, but y'all, this man is in some kind of house with bright <laughs> purple lines, and I am here for oh all of it. I'm here for all of it.
1: <laughs> no doubt, yeah. No, where it's the color, I mean, it's just vibrant, you know what I mean? I, I think. You know when the, the crazy thing is, like when people think about Nigeria, hear about Nigeria. There's there's always something associated with it, and that's usually coming from you don't you don't have you don't have context. But in terms of the color, man, it's not just the designs and the art, but it's the people. You know what I mean? There's there's so many di- different types of you know artists, designers, entrepreneurs, even diasporas that come back, and we all add our little color into this big canvas. So um, it, it's certainly you know symbolic of just. Just how much is going on here and, um, yeah, just, just bringing that color, just bringing that different perspective back home is, um, yeah, something something I've been lucky enough to do uh, most of my life. So, yeah, glad I'm here, happy with the drapes, and, uh, yeah, more color to come. I
0: love it. I love <laughs> it. I always tell people, my, my African cousins, because you know we cousins, yeah. right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something about Africa as just a global continent where when you get there, it's just... I feel like you're living in color, like the world is mm-hmm. metaphorically black and white and gray. And then you get on the continent yeah. and you're like, yo, just like the visual aesthetics of all the African cultures um, are phenomenal.
1: In the feeling. Yeah. In the feeling, too. You know what I mean? I, I tell people a lot, you know, because I, I talk about traveling to Nigeria, Ghana, like South I, I, talk about traveling to the content all the time and you know i tell people especially diaspora especially people that look like us is like when you land and you get off that plane and you realize that everybody looks like you the cab, you know the cab driver the advertisements the people walking on the street the models the designers you're looking at the currency and there's people that look like you that's an amazing feeling and i hope my hope is that you know every one of us at some point in our life we get to experience that what it's like to get to the airport and somebody has your passport back and they say, welcome home, my brother. Welcome home, my sister. That's something that is uh, is truly magical when you touch down in this place. And, um, you know, I come back multiple times a year, but every time I come back, it's just I know that I'm home. And, um, you know, the goal with with my work and my photography and my storytelling is to hopefully bridge that gap you know what i mean um to maybe people who've never been here before how can i tell a drone story how can i use my camera to make you know the diaspora more comfortable to come back um and and visit and learn and just build that connection
0: and maybe and maybe that's the psa for people who don't live in places where they see themselves publicly represented yeah um i i remember touching down in cuba for the first time Mm -hmm. and almost crying. Um, Cuba is very, very black. And I remember touching down and literally almost crying. I remember walking into a supermarket in Cuba to get a bottle of water and people speaking to me in Spanish because of course, the way that I look, I'm from there. They don't know me personally, Mm -hmm, but I'm mm -hmm. from there. I remember touching down in Brazil and, you know, in Rio, which one of the blackest cities in the world and being like, Go and having people get mad at me mm-hmm. in the airport because they were speaking Portuguese and I was just looking at them crazy because I don't speak Portuguese. Yeah. And so they interpreting that as me just being a rude mm-hmm. black Brazilian. <laughs> and I was like, that is the nicest thing you've told me.
1: <laughs> For real. No, it's 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 some it's I mean, you know, we we talk about, you know, black girl magic, black excellence, but it's just it's just—I mean, it—it doesn't matter. What, it's like traveling, you know. I, I did a lot of solo travel after I left Facebook, and you know, I'll be traveling around myself. But if I see a black person, it's just like an automatic heads up. Like I—I I wasn't even trying to, you know, put my neck or like nod in that way. But it was just like a natural thing, and I feel like you know, we recognize each other through through different ways um, when we travel. And I'm glad you got that experience. You know, Northern Brazil is like it—it it has. I think it's, like, 180 or 200 million, like, plus diasporas, like, it, it's, yeah. a, it's, a of, black. It, it's a, it's still a still lot it's a lot of, black. yeah, it's, you know, when we, when we talk about that, you know, transatlantic, um, you know, slave trade, like, that was one of the main, like, places that, that we settled down, so even then, and I, I haven't been yet, but it's on my bucket list, there's a lot of history there, there's a lot of, um, you know, Nigerian, Western African connections that are there. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, we got to We got to discover. So, yeah. Um, yeah Shout but- out to
0: South America. People, people get mad at me and Thanks. I'm like, South America Thanks. is a black continent <laughs> and I don't care what y'all say. You go to Peru, black yeah. folks everywhere. You go to Colombia, yeah. black folks everywhere. Like, South America is a black continent. So if you can't make it to mm-hmm. the original, yeah, I'm just saying, just just go south a little bit and you will see your people.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: and they will welcome you with open arms, and if they don't, it's because they think you're rude, mm-hmm. because they're like, well, I'm talking to you in the native language, and you're not responding, but you look native, so you just don't have any home training. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, once again, is a backwards compliment in itself. With that said, where are your people from, Ime, and how has that shaped who you are today? You
1: know what I mean? I, I was talking to this uh, with one of my friends the other day, so I'm I'm from the two places that I feel like people talk the most um stuff <laughs> okay. about. I'm from uh born in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh my mom is from Baltimore, my dad is from Nigeria. So, you know, when people ask me where I'm from and people, you know, ask me, you know, where is home, uh, you know, I have I have two homes. I feel like home is, you know, where you make memories, home is where you learn to be a better person, and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, grow up in Baltimore, um, you know, I went to school there, I went to high school there I went to college there started my career there um but Nigeria um specifically in the quiet boom of Nigeria in the in the the south south as we call it is my home as well and um we started traveling to Nigeria you know, I was probably about five or six years old, but you know just traveling to Nigeria at such a young age and seeing the world differently like it let me know how how different things could be outside of the u s so I just grew up with this really open perspective of like hey i understand how things look in the norms here in the us and in baltimore but you know over nigeria like things are different you know what i mean the norms are different so um yeah my people are definitely from baltimore very 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 baltimore and uh Aquagum nigeria um yeah and, uh, just a really special connection uh between two two places um in both so yeah i'm uh, i'm i'm from both both not uh, from baltimore and nigeria but Nigeria is always gonna be home, man. So
0: I have a question for you: as as a kid raised in two different yet very similar, but yet very different diasporic cultures, with mama Black American and papa Nigerian, how was that in the household that really shaped your identity,
1: man? That's a, that's a
0: lot. That's a that's, that's, that's layered. Right. I don't know. I would assume it's layered. Right. Yeah. No, it
1: is. I mean, from, from, from the cultural aspect, but you know, you also got to think about, you know, I have an older brother who actually, you know, lives here in Nigeria. He's a, a business owner, entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I have a little sister, but you know, we're growing up in, in the, in the nineties, the you know what I mean? So it's like, we're learning about culture, but we're also learning about the internet and just being exposed to different information. So, um, Yeah, just I think the conversations within the household are just from from so many different viewpoints. You know what I mean? Like the the craziest thing about my family, like my mom's side is from Baltimore, but we like have a we have a family compound. We have about eight or nine houses and I think about maybe nine or 10 acres of land now. But we've been on that land for 150 years. Yes, we've been on that land. Did y'all
0: buy the block? Did y'all buy the block?
1: So the 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 my this is probably what six seven generations back, but um, my great 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 great, great grandmother, uh-huh. um, my my name Brown, she um, lost two sons in the Civil War, and because of right. that, the government actually awarded her um, money. So she moved up from Southern Maryland into this place called Essex in Baltimore County and bought a bunch of land on the water. So. My family, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You gotta come down, man, check out the compound. But yeah, we've been on that land for 150 years. And the even crazier thing is in Nigeria, in the quiet boom, um, I live in the quiet boom state and we actually have a similar setup where the compound, my grandfather, now, you know, these were, you know, back in the days but my grandfather had five wives and um, he had a, a house for every, you know, type of family. So my dad has like 26 brothers and sisters. I have hundreds hundreds of cousins but when I'm in the US we have a compound like my grandmother my aunt's house my um my cousin's house like we all live together and then in Nigeria we literally have the same setup we have a family home and then we have all the houses around us so it's like I'm home anywhere I go and um uh, yeah that's it's that. just it it just it just adds to you know, growing up and thinking about family and the closest and just legacy and, you know, preserving and, and land ownership. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely made an impact on me and just how I approach the world and even how I think about myself, um, you know, living between two two countries with two passports.
0: I am almost crying right now. Like, I'm, I'm actually getting very emotional because, you know, the history of land ownership yeah. for Black Americans whose descendants are enslaved African Man. bodies... Is a very sad, yeah, very sad and hurtful conversation. Mm-hmm. And to know that I have this person in the world, this friend in this world, who was born into it because his great 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 grandma, Man. you know, because of black women, y'all are
1: Big made facts. this
0: decision to basically she just decided I'm a buy the block yeah. before there was a block.
1: Literally, and how
0: your family has kept that. Yep. Yeah. And it just brings me... So, you know what? Pow, power to your family.
1: I appreciate that. Power them. to
0: your mama. Um, tell Mama <laughs> that I'm like, I don't know you, but like I just want to <laughs> yeah. hug you right now. And I want some soul food by the water. Um, yeah. But yeah, phenomenal. It's, it's phenomenal. a blessing.
1: I mean, you know, and I, I think for me and my story, like I'm I'm grown to appreciate that more, you know, because when we're growing up, it's like, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, my grandmother, I could just walk to my grandmother's house. Or of course, I could just walk to my auntie's house. But... You know, some of my, you know, friends like, oh, you don't like, you don't live around like, oh, I didn't. And then, and then you grow up and I'm like, man, like, damn, I'm really I'm really blessed. Yeah. Like, we've really been here yeah. for a long time. And, you know, we've been able to hold and maintain the land. And, you know, there's, of course, developments and things being built around there. But, you know, Brown's Road, you know, when you go through Essex, like there's literally a street called Brown's Road. So that's that's my the mother's side of my family. That's my mother's maiden name. And um, yeah, I'm literally looking up at a road that's that's, you know, for my family. And um, yeah, the ownership, it, it, it makes me think about it different, too. And, you know, even how I build my my um, my my wealth and, you know, the different types of resources that I want to invest in. But, you know, thinking about that long term impact and, you know, thinking about my grandmother who bought the land and me now. Um, yeah, I gotta I gotta live up to the you know to the expectation. I gotta I gotta do it for the fam. So I'm truly blessed. Y'all are
0: so much more humble than me, because it wouldn't be a road. I would just have like a big fence and a big sign, like this is mine. You <laughs> <laughs> might, might have to put up the fence. Try me, here. Right? F around and find out. This is mine. So this is a wonderful segue because I want to talk to you about career transitions. Ever since I've known you, I feel like you've always been in a career transition in the best way. And how you've been able to literally just utilize the skills that you brought to the job, the skills that you acquired at the job, to then just go do something insanely different and do it well is something to applaud. Take me back to 18-year-old's Emay, what was he thinking about as far as career? Oh, yeah, baby, baby, E-may oh, take me back there.
1: Oh, hand mercy. eighteen years old, man, wow, eighteen. Um, 18- just
0: graduated from high school. Yep. you know that that E-may.
1: just just mm-hmm. graduated, and you know if I was if I was thinking about that that E-may, um so I was also a Division One soccer player, so. You know, it's, it's funny that you know talking about the career transition and taking like things. in soccer has played a huge, huge part, you know, in my life. Um, from learning how to work together as a team, you know, learning like just understanding your position and understanding how things like fit into this bigger purpose. Obviously, going through the season and trying to get to a championship or you know um, some some type of accolade, but. 18-year-old Imei, my gosh, um, coming back up Maryland to to D.C. And I would say, honestly, when I think about career, at that point, I was doing everything that I wanted my parents wanted me to do. You know what I mean? Like, go to college, get a good job, get a house, get married and retire at 65. And I was on that path. You know, I was at UMBC, um, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Shout out uh, to, to the Retrievers. And um, I can com- I was on the path to completing school, um, and of course, very focused on on soccer. And um, I did that. I mean, I graduated. I-, I realized probably around junior year that okay, maybe you know the MLS and you know um, professional soccer career probably wasn't going to be it. But I knew at the time that like tech, tech, tech was was all anything could talk about. My dad was a, a engineer. He was also an entrepreneur. And um, so, yeah, that's actually where I got like my project management fundamentals. He let me, you know, come on job sites like I knew what a RFP was before probably, you know, most people and just contract and scope and deliverables. So those kind of words were always like in my vocabulary, but ended up graduating UMBC uh, Information Systems and um, yeah, just went right into tech. I knew that. Um, I wanted to work in tech because tech was where the money was. Right. And of course, if you're Nigerian, I, I hope I hope not for your child. I hope not for your child. But even if it is, it's it's, it's up to you. But, you know, as a, I would say, typical Nigerian, you got like three or four options. It's like lawyer, accountant, engineer or failure. And if you're not like, if you're not one of those like top things, it's like, you're going you know, to um, be talked
0: about. You're going to be talked about at know, the family that, function.
1: You, you're going to be mm. talked about. You're going to be talked about. You know what I mean? You can't, I, I would say at that time, 18 year old, um, you know, a lot of my Nigerian friends, you can't go to your parents and go, Hey, I want to be an artist. It's like, do you, do you think I came to this country to for you to just be painting? And, not,
0: not, you know the I mean? so, not the accent, not the accent. Man,
1: listen, we I, I we've heard it. I've heard it a lot of times, and and I, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, man. Like we were all lucky enough, um, and I think that played a part in our household, right? Like my dad, yes, he's Nigerian, but he didn't come in with that. Okay, you must do this. You must do this. i came here to you know build this life for you. So you guys have to be doctor. Like he wanted us to just allow us to do what made us happy. So kind of in a way, I felt like maybe because the kind of the Nigerian community that we were also in, like I felt like I had to be those things. I definitely went into UMBC, wanted to be a pharmacist and, and play soccer. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget. I was like, yo, if I have to work this hard to get a B in chemistry, like I don't I don't think this is the career for me. So that's when I switched to IT. but. Um, yeah, I was. We were like super fortunate, man. Like my dad was an entrepreneur, but he never really put that pressure on us that, okay, if you're not a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant or engineer, like you're toast. Um, so I still found my way through that career. And, you know, obviously, you know, ended up at my dream company in Facebook. Um, and Facebook. And I'll get into that a in little bit. But yeah, I, I realized that that American dream, like everything that you know, my parents wanted me to do. Um, I just took a stand and I was like, you know what? Like I want to do things my way. You know what I mean? Like I know that I'm more than capable. I know that I have the skill set. I know that I come from a good family. I have the education. I have the credentials. And um, yeah, that 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 mindset stay with me. I never like I would hear it in the back, but I just kept, man, just yo, just make your money, man. Just like stay in corporate, like get the bag, like just keep doing. And then, yeah, I finally got to a point I was like, kind of like I felt like with chemistry. It's like, man, if I have to if I have to work this hard just to, you know, at that my goal is, you know, making six figures. It's like, I don't know, man. So, yeah, around 30, I'm fast forwarding. But at the age of 30, I um Yeah, I said effort. I was like, I'm gonna put my stuff in storage. I'm gonna take this opportunity to take a step away from from corporate America. I'm going to travel, which I was like, okay, I'm going to travel for three months. I was already interviewing just as a backup. And Lexi, when I tell you, like, when I realized what freedom felt like, like literally what I can wake up at nine, 10 in the morning, not check my email, but go to the beach, learn how to fly my drone. I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to find a way to, you know, kind of make this a reality. And that's how I started my agency and and pushed the button and started traveling the world, um, doing photography and drawing photography. So
0: let's go back to your last year at Facebook. I say a year, but let's just go back to the time period where that moment where you decided, Mm -hmm. you know, in your apartment in the Bay Area that there needs to be a change. Talk to me about that conversation with yourself slash your family slash your peers about you trying to figure out what's next, but this current being in an office 24-7 mm. is not for you. What was going on in your head then?
1: Yeah, 2018, there, there's a lot of different factors. You know, I, I think a lot of it, like the ultimate decision lies with, you know, who I am, my identity, knowing that, you know, I can do all things, you know what I mean? Um, I can do all things. You know, Philippians, you know, 413 is something that I, I, have, ta- I have tattooed on my body, so... Um, I know that I'm probably a little bit more risk averse than everybody, but even at that point, at like my highest earning, you know, corporate job and thinking about, honestly, daydreaming a lot. You know what I mean? Damn, what what if I could just go to Ghana right now, like go, go see family. And, you know, some of it, um, the decision, you know, was also family. At that point, you know, I hadn't seen my dad for, I think, like two years because I was I was living out on the West Coast. So you know, you coming from California to DC and then to Nigeria, like that's, a, that's a whole, that's a whole journey. And, um, yeah, I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen my dad and he lives in Nigeria for about two years. And I was like, you know what? I, I need to, I, I want to focus on family. So I really made that a priority. You know, I looked at, you know, my savings, honestly, I looked at my investments. I was like, I, I'm feeling comfortable, you know what I mean? And you know, I made the decision. I made it. De- it wasn't like an overnight, like, I'm just going to come in and, you know, stamp it and do this. But I made that decision, you know, to step away. And um, I think maybe, like, in my story, what maybe makes me a little bit different than most is it wasn't the first time I was making like a big life decision. In 2014, 24- I think in 2014, I actually left Baltimore. Um, I left, you know, my job and my project management job in Baltimore to move to the West Coast. I didn't even have a job, but I knew that my dream job was either working at Google, Facebook or Amazon. And um, yeah, so I just packed up. I moved to Seattle. Um, It took me about two months to find a job, but I ended up getting a job with Expedia and um, just ended up killing it there. You know, as a project manager, I always say, like, every project has a definite beginning, definite end. And um, every project that I completed, um, which were typically like big scopes, I just moved to the next. So came in as an implementation manager, moved to like a regional implementation manager, then got a senior project manager position at Expedia. And um, yeah, so yeah, going back to like that 2017, 2018, I just always knew in my mind that I'm more than capable. And more importantly, like I have the resources, not even the capital resources, but I have friends, I have family, I have a whole community that is willing to support me. So um, there was a little bit of fear. There was a little bit of hesitation, but I just kept reminding myself like, bro, you're e like you've you've done this. And I don't mean to say that in a, you know, the egotistical way, but it's like, I feel like a lot of times you really got to look in yourself in the mirror and just be like, yo, I am him. I am her. Like I, I can do this. And even if it doesn't work out, it's not going to help me sitting here thinking about and, you know, um, you know, doing analysis paralysis of, oh, my God, what can go wrong? Oh, my. I don't have a job coming in. Like, I'm Nigerian. I'm i going to find a, I'm a way. You know what I mean? Like, what does it say? Like, man, I'm I'm from Brooklyn. I'm leaving with something. So, listen, I'm Nigerian and I'm born and raised in Baltimore. So I'm, I'm going to make it happen some way. And I just kind of always had that mindset in my in myself when it comes to these like challenging decisions. Mm.
0: So we quit the Facebook job. You say goodbye to me in the breakfast room. um, And I was very sad about it. And you put your stuff in storage and you're like, I'm going to go travel for three months. What happened in that three months of travel that you were like, I'm not coming back?
1: Man, listen, listen. So the first stop, I think I went from, so my route was like from Oakland to L.A. to L.A. to... Uh, yeah, L.A. to Nigeria, Nigeria to Hong Kong, and then, like, South Africa for Afropunk. Kate Trinata was performing. And um, so, yeah, by the time I, like, put everything in storage, and, I mean, because I was like, I was thinking about I was like, bro, like, I haven't, like, since elementary school, I've just been waking up, you know, and going into somewhere to to do something, like, or, you know, eventually that turns into... Waking up and going to class or waking up to go to soccer practice or waking up now in my career and checking email. But it was the first time where I was like, OK, I'm going to just wake up. Let me take my time and, you know, make this coffee, make my oats in South Africa. I was like, man, I, I I've i never experienced anything like this. I've never experienced this type of freedom. Like there's no dependencies on. Let me respond to this email real quick. Let, damn, let me make sure that I'm, uh, you know. So I think just having that freedom. Um, within that three months just completely changed my mindset. And for me, you know, I, all, I always, like when I left Facebook, I wanted to share my story with people online. Like I wanted people to, like I've always been, you know, I always wanted to be ambassador for people, how they look at, you know, the continent, how they look at travel. So I got a drone, I got like a $200 camera and my goal was just to share on Facebook. And I did that. And um, I really realized that I loved flying drones. I love taking pictures. Like that's something that I always naturally did. Um, and of course, you know, working at Facebook, you see the impact of content and how people interact with it and this and that. So I'm like, okay, content, travel, there's, I don't really see a lot of black, you know, travel creators like that. So let me carve out this, this kind of niche And um, that's exactly what I did. And I think the light bulb kind of went off, you know, after Afro Prunk in South Africa, you know, I, um, yeah. Then I went to um, Thailand, I went to Bali, I went to um, uh, Vietnam, like, and I just, as a black man, just walking the world freely, um, I realized like, yo, even at that time, if I had any advice, it's like, yo, if you have the means And I'm blessed. I didn't have any dependencies, like no house, no kids, no, no anything, literally no nothing holding me back. Um, But man, like I ain't trying to wait till 65 to travel, man. Like while I have my health, while I have my freedom now, I want to be able to see the world like this. And lo and behold, that whole 2018, I traveled from 2018 full time up until 2020 March when the when the pandemic hit. And I was like, wow, I'm just so blessed that I can see the world before, you know, the world changed like it did. And um, yeah, it's just that first three months, just, it just changed my whole perspective of time, the value of my time and um, how I wanted to spend my days. And I just knew like I had to find a way to, to, to make that reality possible, to just to be able to move freely and see the world and explore and tell stories.
0: So what I hear is, Something like t- t- two very important pillars of this career transition. One, making sure you have enough money in the bank mm-hmm. that before you decide to actively take a risk and start a start an unknown transition financially, you're good. Yep. Like you can say, "I have enough money in the bank that I have myself a year, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I'm going to be okay."
1: Right? A year is, I mean, for a lot of people, like a year is a year is a long time to be safe. Like I think you know you, you you're supposed to have like six months you know, emergency savings and things like that. And in wherever you are on your journey, um, you know, that I just had that, like when I got into Facebook, like where everybody else was like, Hey, I want to live in Oakland. I want to live in San Francisco. I'm like, bro, I don't care how much I'm making. Ain't, ain't no way I'm paying 3,000, 3, 2,500, you know, to live. And I was like, so I exactly, I chose Fremont. Fremont is I'm right across the Dunbar and Bridge to Menlo Park. So I got an apartment for like maybe 1300 bucks and I was just, and I, when, yo when what I tell you, like you saw me in the, in the breakfast because I saved a lot of money on eating because <laughs> I ate at work. I saved a ton of money on my apartment. And I was just like, I just had this like, okay, this is the opportunity. I'm just going to take as much as I can. I'm going to take as much of this opportunity as I can. So I didn't buy a car. I took, you know, the, 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 the Bart, you know, I, Went to work, I came back. If I could eat there, I did, and I just stacked my bread. So, but yeah, definitely having some resources available um, when you're starting to think about it and just being committed to that goal.
0: And the second thing that I want to talk about is when you get out and you're in this new space and you realize it's what I want to do, it sounds like you started really being creative about how you can make money while legit playing with drones. And I say that in the most respectful manner. So, tell us about how you started creating your drone agency and started creating streams of income through the drone. Cause obviously that wasn't the that wasn't the initial goal. It was like I want to travel. And then you were like, wait a minute, I don't want to go back. So how we how we gonna do this? No, nah,
1: that's real. At? That's real. And um yeah, it really started with me. You know, I, I left Facebook. I brought uh I think it was maybe eight hundred dollar drone, two hundred dollar um, you know, two hundred dollar pocket camera. And I just wanted to share my story. And I did that. I did that on Facebook. I did that on Instagram. Everywhere I was going, I just did stories. And I I just put my work out there. Um, And at that point in time, it was like literally out of the love of, yo, I want you to see the world like I see it. I want you to see it through my perspective. And eventually, things started catching on. And people started noticing my content. And my content started getting reposted to travel blogs. And eventually you know, travel brands and travel groups started reaching out and saying, Hey, email, I see you're traveling. I see you're creating content. Um, I have a travel brand, I have a travel company and we need to be able to create marketing material for our travel group trips. And, um, at that time I was like, Oh my gosh, like, um, yeah, of course I'm just happy to come to Thailand and, and just, you know, shoot content. So I did that, but I realized that, I could travel the world and not have to pay for my travel because the travel brands they were paying for my hotel, they were paying for my flight, they were paying for my food. So I got a chance to fly to these, be flown out, essentially be flown out, you know, by be flown out by these different travel brands, and also like, all of my expenses were paid. So when I did that, I got flewed out. I did the job, and I would just stay like maybe two, three extra weeks. Um, just to do my own content, just to create for myself, I did that. I put that work online. More people would see that, and just eventually, I started getting calls from nonprofits. So, I mean, twenty that twenty nineteen time, like I like I promise you, Lexi, like that journey was me leaving Facebook in November two thousand eighteen, and then November, excuse me, in December twenty nineteen. I was on stage with Burna Boy in Lagos recording him on stage. So it's like, you know, just sharing my work, you know, being intentional about wanting to bridge the diaspora. It just created this opportunity and a a really good, like, you know, point in time where content and visual storytelling is so important to how we view destinations, how businesses even market or grow their business. So, yeah, I was able to come in and say, hey, like, My foundation is in project management, so I know what a project is and I know how to handle it. It's like I just so happen to have a camera, but I know how to speak strategic. I know how to talk in terms of deliverables and timelines. And, you know, instead of me just showing up with a camera, like I'm asking questions like, hey, what do you want to accomplish with this video? Like, what is the goal and objective? So I'm putting that project manager hat on. But I have this camera and that just allowed me to scale my business and realize and understand the opportunity that travel brands, especially travel brands, they need content. They need video to be able to reach their target audience. And uh, yeah, that's why that's why I found the uniqueness in drone photography, aerial videography. And um, yeah, just honestly been building and scaling since then and still being able to travel the world.
0: So in closing... No, one number one. That that's just phenomenal. I, I like the fact that you go from putting your stuff in storage <laughs> in Fremont to being on to the burner Boy for this whole for this whole concert is such a great story. But I do want to highlight the fact of like you sound like a person who tastes who, who tastes who takes strategic risks,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like you like you handle your business. You handle how are we going to pay for this, and then once that's figured out. Yeah, Let's go take the risk. I love how you said about how sort of putting your stuff online, having these corporations pay for you to go to XYZ place. And then you also think, you know, okay, so while I'm here to get your stuff,
1: oh, yep. I'm also
0: going to get some of mine. I'm going to, you know, True in many ways, <laughs> double dipping the pot, which is totally legal and totally ethical in order to continue this journey. Absolutely. So in closing, What what is the lesson here, Ime? Like if somebody said, what's the biggest lesson you've learned from making strategic risks to making career changes in order to just be happier. What is your response to that?
1: My, re- my response to that lies in the name of my company, of my agency. It's called Push the Button, and it's a call to action for a reason. Um, I say Push the Button because... Especially when you're in corporate, like, yo, you're in corporate, you know what I mean? And I don't honestly care where you work at. You could, you know, you could work for Apple, you could work for Walmart, you could work for whoever, you could drive Uber, but you got to know that. And and I think for me, it's like, I realized and knew within myself that I could do it, that I could do it. And the only thing that was standing in my way from going into Facebook and saying, hey, I think I'm going to take a step back or, hey, I think I'm going to leave Baltimore or, hey, I think I'm going to start this agency was myself. All of those limiting beliefs, all of, oh, what am I going to do about money? Oh, man, your, your drone footage is not as good as what? Like, that was all me telling my stuff that. So when I say push the button, it's like. When we work in corporate, like we'll be trying to do all the analytics and, you know, the risk assessment and all this. But at the end of the day, yo, know, you gotta take that leap, man. And I promise you, like every leap that I've taken, it's ended up, like, I, I'm so happy that I've taken that leap of Like, if I if I didn't take that leap of faith from Facebook, we wouldn't even be sitting here. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't even, you know, being able to talk about going to Morocco and shooting in South Africa and Burner Boy and all this stuff. I'll be still sitting at my desk like, damn, man, I, w- I wonder what it would be like to, you know, to... And it's like, you know, at a at a, at a certain point, you just got to say effort. You know what I mean? Obviously, like, assess, you know, the capital, the resources and things like that. But I feel like... If if you've accomplished anything, like if you have some wins in your life, you know that you can you you know that you can do it. But a lot of times we do a lot of analysis, paralysis, and we really just need to push the button. Book that ticket. Do not wait. Buy that drone, buy that camera, start that YouTube, start your start your podcast. Like, don't sit on it, man. You know, time is I guess it's cliche, but like, yo, this time don't stop. And I don't know, maybe it's like after 30, but like, no, nobody's going to come and hand it to you, man. A lot of times you got to go and create that opportunity for yourself. So yeah, push the button and just know that you can do it. And you're going to have the people, your resources, your friends, your family to back you up. And um, yeah, push the button. I
0: love it. I want I want to thank you for encouraging and inspiring and challenging people, especially people that look like us, but everyone, regardless of what you look like, like to, to, as you say, push the button and to really put an effort into building a life that suits you and not suits, not suits what the ancestors may think that you should do or what your dog thinks that you should do or what your neighbor that thinks that you should do, but honestly doing the work to say, I'm, I have one life to live in this realm, as I say, and I'm a, I'm a do me and I'm a love it. Thank you. Thank you. Brian. It's my
1: pleasure. It's my pleasure. And I'm so happy, you know, for this platform and, and to be able to talk about my story. We need more of this. We need more voices. So I'm, I'm honored to be, you know, be a part of this season. And I just cannot wait to see where this goes and. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll do a live, you know, in Nigeria at some point or another country, bring the family over. Don't
0: start with me, May. I will be there in a heartbeat next to those purple, next to purple drapes. Don't start with me.
1: OK, good job. good job. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lexi. You can listen to
0: You Can Sit With Us episodes on Spotify. For more information, visit our website, lexib.com, and I will link it in account at LexiBee. And make sure to follow our podcasts on Instagram at sit with And don't forget to subscribe to our Spotify channel.